I will call to order the Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, January 25th, 2021 to order. Let the time, uh, let the uh, time the meeting starts be shown as uh, 5.08 p.m. So are there any additions to the agenda, Mr. Mr. Parker? Uh, yes, there are, Your, Your Worship. There's three additions. The first one is uh, we're changing, we're adding what's called the All Peace Tolling and Hotshot Request for Parking Exemption under Section 5, Presentations. Okay. And number two is uh, under Section 7, uh, COVID Update. It'll be a verbal report. And it's just um, yeah, exploratory report. And then number section 14, number four, point, uh, in the in-camera section, division two, exceptions to disclosure, section 16, disclosure harmful to business interest of a third party. Okay. Uh, any deletions? I take it there aren't any? There are none, Your Worship. Okay. Um, could I get a motion to adopt the agenda as amended? Uh, Ms. Downing, all in favor? Passed. Uh, the minutes of the January 11th, 2021 regular council meeting. Um, are there any corrections needed there? Clarifications? I'll move the minutes. Well, Colin had his hand up. Uh, so we'll give it to Colin here. I'm sure there'll be other opportunities for you, Mr. Good. All in favor of Mr. Needham's motion to, to uh, adopt the minutes. Yeah, passed. Uh, so under, so we have no public hearings. I see, Mr. Parker. There are none. Your worship. Great. And so that takes us to presentations. All piece towing and hot shot request for parking exemption. Council, the uh, Mr. Van Ort was provided the link and indicated that he would be here, but. I do not see him present in the gallery at this time. Perhaps we'll uh, just move on and uh, when you see him or if he contacts you, uh, we'll, go, we'll uh, cycle back to presentations. Certainly, and if council wishes to refresh the agenda, the updated agenda has now been published. Any uh, bylaws to be passed and imposed, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Okay. Uh, unfinished business, uh, COVID-19 update. Yes, so um, as I sent out an email earlier to Council today, I did receive a request to uh, provide regular COVID reports to Council and GMP. Um, and I was struggling as I was trying to put together the report over the weekend. Um, so I was just, um, as I'm thinking today, I'm saying, well, there's a lot of this information that is on the uh, web. Uh, would I be just repeating it? Uh, is there certain particular information that you'd like? So I did send out an email today earlier uh, asking council uh, what they would like in a report and how often they'd like it uh, to come forward. I don't know why you waited till today. You could have done that on, on Friday, but, um, and I saw Mr. Mr. Ford's response, let me put it this way. Uh, the first rule of management is if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. And yeah, it's uh, maybe available on the uh, 
the Alberta Alberta Health website, but uh, I know that uh, none of you people ever get lost in the. Uh, you all see the forest for the trees, but uh, that's not always the case. So the uh, big picture view. Uh, I don't know why you uh, why this was why this was such a struggle. Uh, we have biostatisticians in in the uh, in the town of in the uh, in the town of Peace River that would probably be willing to provide a good uh, some good visuals as to where we are, where we've been, where we need to go, um, and uh, quite frankly, we. Uh, uh, when we first talked about the mass bylaw, we talked about education. That was the number one priority. I have absolutely, absolutely seen nothing out of this, out of administration with respect to education on COVID-19. Um, I still see uh, individuals out there uh, that aren't mass, but I also see individuals that somehow equate uh, masking and social distancing with a social lockdown. What those people don't seem to understand is if they had followed the goddamn rules in the first place, there wouldn't be any shutdown. Um, and we need to, uh, we need to keep focusing on that and, uh, and uh, fine tuning our enforcement policy to address these individuals. So yes, Ms. Manzer. So, um, Mr. Mayor, what kind of stats would you hope to see in a report? Well, I would like to see the, uh, the big picture item. I would like to see uh, how we uh, progress from zero to uh, 55 down back to 13 and then how we took off and, um, and dipped and took off again and what the explanations for all of those would be. Um, um, <clears throat> and I think one thing that it'll show also is that it doesn't take many, many, uh, <clears throat> many, uh, many cases to, uh, to start an exponential curve. And I realized that most, most people, uh, don't understand the mathematics of exponential growth, but that would certainly help help to uh, understand it and also to uh, to uh, uh, communicate uh, and to educate people on that uh, and the necessity for uh, to keep up uh, social distancing and also um, uh, mass wearing. It uh, doesn't take much to break the circ uh, the uh, to trigger trigger exponential growth, and uh, we're and then we're back into these uh, these situations where we have people uh, wanting to open restaurants, dine in restaurants, uh, and create and uh, tie up enforcement resources. 
So those were, would be some of the stats and an explanation on the, uh, on the graphic that shows, um, that, that shows some of the salient points where we introduced masking, where we, uh, where the uh, provincial government introduced additional measures. Um, uh, it'd be good to see the uh, uh, explanation for some of the, uh, some of the, um, uh, for some of the peaks that we're seeing whether it be ex Xmas accesses or uh, new, new Year uh, exuberances. And if we can uh, educate people about that, that would be uh, very helpful. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, and when, when did have uh, vaccinations started in, in the peace country? Or, uh, or uh, are they still uh, weeks away? I, I know the answer to that, but uh, it'd be good for people to know that uh, because Alberta Health has not been uh, very uh, forthcoming about that. Uh, they've got 99,000 people vaccinated. We don't know how many exactly are in the Peace, peace Region, but we're... Uh, we're probably three months away from the general public being uh, being vaccinated, but we do need to uh, focus in on keeping the numbers low. Um, and uh, the exponential growth part of it is uh, very important given the identification of some of these variants um, that have come into the province. In fact, I believe today that they, uh, the uh, UK variant, uh, they identified a UK variant in a person with no travel history or contact with travel. Mr. Good? Well, one of the difficulties I think with, with the data is that we don't have much granularity on the data. We have MD of Peace, which includes Peace River, but we don't have anything that, that makes it finer than that. And our jurisdiction is in Peace River. It's not out in the MD of Peace. That um, well, NSC has their numbers. MD twenty two has theirs, but we're not getting. You know, a lot of people ask the question: How many COVID cases are there in Peace River? And no one's really ever been able to give an answer to that question because that data is not available. Yeah, it's not available, and uh, sometimes that's the problem with data: is it's it's never. Uh, never completely clean and we've got to work with it. But if we show, uh, if we show Alberta Health uh, some of the shortcomings with the data that they're, they're providing us, they, uh, um, we may very well be able to convince them to provide us with better data. Mr. Ford. Yeah, when you were talking, uh, Your Worship, about uh, enforcement, I guess uh, my question is going to be to Mr. Parker again. So being that the provincial health regulation overrides our municipal mask bylaw, our peace officers are now level one certified and finished their courses, my understanding. Am I correct in saying then that if our 
peace officers respond to a complaint, whether it's in a grocery store or, or wherever and a person's not masked. So are they gonna be issuing a fine under the uh, Public Health Act or is it still that little $100 fine from uh, our municipal bylaw? Because I understand that that is not in effect right now. Yeah, so um, we would be doing the, we'd be following the provincial guidelines. It supersedes ours. Now, there are, Tim might be, uh, or, or um, Mr. Harris might be able to uh, add more to it, but it's my understanding we could also issue them out citations from our bylaw too. But what we've been mainly trying to do is education. Uh, we have issued out a minimum of one ticket citation for sure, but we have spent a lot of time uh, educating people. And, uh, you know, so we've been, and that's also the, the case with uh, the province. They've been emphasizing the idea of citations. Um, they gave out uh, when they had uh, that one business that opened up and uh, flaunted the rules, issued out two citations, but it wasn't to the business owner. It was to two individuals that uh, refused to follow the, the process uh, and they were provincial citations. And then the other, just a follow-up question then, is with uh, the provincial health order. Um, and I know we had a, quite a big discussion on it when it came to our municipal bylaw in regards to harassment. So there is no harassment part in the, the provincial that I'm aware of. So if there is harassment, then that would fall down onto our bylaw and the citation would be issued then. So, uh, well, what would happen if someone was harassing someone we would issue out? Actually, I don't know. Yeah, there, there was a, a section for harassment, I think $100 fine or $200 fine. It was 200 under our bylaw, but I haven't seen anything when it comes to provincial. And, that, and now asking someone, why are they not wearing a mask as opposed to harassing them about not wearing a mask or vice versa or harassing someone who is wearing a mask by making names or calling them names. That's kind of like harassment, but just asking, oh, why are you, you, you're not wearing a mask is not harassment. And that's what sometimes people, you know, they get uh, afraid of. Or for example, say for uh, uh, someone's entering into a store and uh, they, they have a store person saying, okay, uh, you know, you're supposed to wear a mask. If someone starts to berate the store person, that's harassment. And that individual who's berating the store person could get a citation at that point. I understand, I understand all of that. So, yeah. so basically from what I'm understanding then is if there's a citation being issued and if it's whether it's by the RCMP, um, Fish and Wildlife or our peace officers, if it's a complaint, it's under the Provincial Health Act and that will be a thousand dollar fine. Whatever the citation is, I'm, I'm not sure what the, the, the fee is, but I, I believe it is a thousand. That would actually also be one of the benefits of a COVID-19 update because uh, certainly there's discretion involved there. Uh, Mr. Parker has talked about it, it being as education. Um, and uh, whether uh, uh, whether he uh, he can signal at that time uh, that uh, they are moving to stricter enforcement or um, those those were those would be things that uh, Council should be aware of. Well, now that it, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, now that the province has stepped up and has put in put enforcement in throughout the province. What's the real need for us to go back into the fray 
when the provinces basically said they are prepared to get back, they are prepared to be involved when the situation calls for it. And I mean, I could see if it gets to a point where nobody around us is doing anything reasonable, but I don't see us getting back into it or, or needing much more information than we have, unless every municipality in Alberta is going to become its own health officer and deal with its own issues. Well, it comes down to allocation of resources. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Providing Mr. Uh, Mr. Parker with, uh, with guidance on that. So we had a uh, restaurant issue. Um, so there's, so do we get our uh, uh, recently? And so do we get our, uh, are our peace officers going to, uh, to drive the, uh, drive the actions there? Or um, is, is the RCMP who we actually do pay and does come out of our uh, tax tax property uh, tax monies. Um, are, are they the ones that are going to take the lead? I uh, park outside the, the venue. Uh, more recently, there has been a uh, a um, I understand in Olds. There's a similar restaurant that's defying the. Uh, rules and regulations and there's a closure order. So uh, who's who's going to take the lead on that? The, the province takes the lead. And then if they request resources, they go to the RCMP next, then they come to us. Okay. That's the process. Right. And so uh, these, so now you, you can ask Mr. Parker where the resources are going and do we need to uh, um, <clears throat> have have our peace officers spend less time on traffic and more time uh, uh, at the major retail stores. And uh, do we need to? Those those would be some of the items that we'd be talked under COVID nineteen. Um, um, and of course, uh, the final. So Mr. Harris and the peace officers would be the ones that would uh, would actually make the final decision on how to uh, how to uh, exercise the resources. But uh, one of the things that we may request is that um, what one of uh, we have uh, people still going into some of these um, major retail outlets not wearing a mask. Um, and um, and the employees in the store, and I can understand their reluctance, are not pushing the issue. But uh, we may we may ask uh, enforcement to to put a little more emphasis on uh, on uh, holding the uh, the stores accountable. I'm not sure that we need more reports and the information that's available to make that kind of a judgment call when needed. I mean, I think most of us, I don't know. I know for myself, I look at the stats daily. I know, I think Warren does. I think a lot of us here, in fact, do look at the numbers quite regularly and follow them quite regularly and are quite aware of the numbers of what's going on. Um, I'm not sure that we really need to have another to some extent redundant report, the information is all out there. I mean, you, 
I'm not sure that you can assume that none of us are looking at it. So, so the bottom line is we, we have an obligation to manage this issue and we uh, need to, um, we, uh, and, uh, and the, the bottom line is if you don't measure it, you don't manage it. So uh, this is also part of the whole education process keeping people aware of where we're at and where we need to go and whether we need to uh, uh, need to be a little more forceful in our enforcement. So we should have a motion to either have or not have. I, I set the agenda, so. Mr. Ford. Yeah, a question for Mr. Harrison. I know I asked this, uh, this question before, but now that our, our guys are level one certified, if the let's say the RCMB get a uh, get a call for service and it's a complaint within uh, with a COVID complaint within our jurisdiction and let's say their officers might be in Grimshaw, um, do you have a do you have the communications means that our peace officers can respond to that call? Yeah, we we're in communication with uh, the, um, the sergeant at uh, the RCMP here in Peace River. Um, he knows what resources we have, and uh, we've worked with them in the past. Um, um, you know, we'll, we'll just make sure that that line of communication is kept open. One of the one of the concerns that I've heard is uh, a lot of times if uh, if somebody does file a concern or a complaint, and by the time the the response. Um, gets to that location a lot of times that individual is already gone yeah i see that being a being a bit of an issue you, you don't want to be uh, yeah it makes it pretty awkward if you can't count on enforcement being there so, so those are some of the things that we need to uh, iron out so, Mr. Mayor, what I'm getting from this discussion is you would like to see a report that summarizes what's happened in the province uh, in terms of exponential curves and Christmas time and stuff like that. And the other part of it is in Peace River, um, how many educational things have been or conversations have happened, how many citations, any fines. Is that kind of where you're leading yeah I, i'm not uh, yeah i uh, you could you could summarize it that the, um, the i i'm not really interested in what the province is there's a bit of feedback loop here but uh, i'm not really interested in uh specifically the well it's good to know what the provincial context is uh uh but would like to know um, the focus should be more on uh, on the local stuff, and uh, if we need to get more granular information, um, we uh, we probably need to put together what we have and point out to AHS that uh, um, in terms of education, educating uh, the general populace particularly people that access our site, we need more data and uh, so that we can uh, do an effective job. 
I understand some of their, uh, I, well, I understand a lot of their rationale in terms of not being too granular because they don't want to stigmatize uh, 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 a certain population, uh, whether it be a, a prison population or, uh, or um, uh, some certain uh, a, a demographic. Um, particularly when uh, a lot of this stuff happens through no, uh, no, um, no fault of their own. But, but I would like to see a little more granular information and, and also uh, what we are doing, what we, what we can do to control the numbers and with, because we do have enforcement resources. Okay. So the second question then for council is, is and if all council agrees, this is what you'd like. How often do you want this report? Do you want it every meeting that we have or once a month at GMP or what exactly uh, is council looking for? Uh, I'm looking for it on a regular basis, which is uh, every uh, every meeting. Once you get the stats together, I think uh, you know. I I don't know why you're finding this difficult, Mr. Parker, because you could actually farm this out. We we do have biostatisticians that are uh, val, um, um, well well aware of what the. Uh, uh, are well aware of of uh, of what the permanent pertinent statistics need to be, and uh, and you can add add to that um, where the enforcement actions are going and where the enforcement trends are. So, and uh, I set the agenda, Mr. Parker. So. I think the, I think the question comes up, and it's correct that you do set the agenda. But the direction of the uh, the direction of staff is through motion of council. Well, I uh, set the agenda, and uh, and uh, if if staff doesn't want to provide a COVID nineteen update, we'll deal with it at that time. Mr. Ford. Yeah, just a quick question, Your Worship. So. Um, let's say if, if administration comes back with the first with the first report of what you're asking for, and if you're wanting reports at every meeting thereafter, what if there is no drastic changes or anything like that? Is it are you just looking for a verbal report saying there is no changes from the meeting before? Well, I'd certainly want to see some graphics, uh, but they would then say there has been uh, uh, no uh, no changes or uh, uh, the numbers have remained stable or they're in continuing to increase at a, uh, at such and such a rate and that might be it. And uh, we uh, don't see any further uh, need for um, um, 
and we feel our uh, enforcement stance currently is uh, more than adequate. Uh, we haven't had to, uh, we haven't added any, uh, we haven't added any, um, we haven't issued any warning tickets. We haven't, uh, we haven't issued any um, court appearances, tickets for court appearances. Um, and uh, there have been no requests for assistance from Alberta Health Services or the RCMP, or it could be quite different, whatever the situation is. The first rule of management is if you don't measure it, you can't, uh, can't manage it. And we've done a good job in managing it certainly since uh, middle of November. There were some ex Christmas excesses. There were some uh, New Year excesses. We seem to be recovering from that. But there is a uh, threat out there from, uh, from these recent variants. We're three months away from, from, getting, uh, from getting vaccinations done. Uh, it would be uh, would be disappointing to uh, to see uh, any deaths as a result of uh, uh, not managing uh, not managing this issue and uh, enforcing some of the basic rules. Like, don't uh, people shouldn't be complaining about uh, shutdowns? Um, um, if they haven't been, uh, if they haven't been, uh, if they've been anti-maskers for the last nine months, well, it, um, we can manage the outbreaks. We can manage the. Uh, in, I realize that we don't have all the resources out there, but uh, we do have some resources, and we can. Uh, we can keep people healthy and we can uh, at least try and keep our shops open if uh, if the rest of the province can't. Okay, so we do have Mr. Van Ort who is on the line now. So if you want to go to the next section there, your worship. Okay, uh, Mr. Van Ort, welcome. I understand you have a request for a parking exemption for all peace towing and hotshot. That's correct, Your Worship. Um, we're just looking to work with the town mostly on trying to get our timelines up. Um, it's been quite an issue for us, especially in the wintertime, with the guys not being able to park their trucks at their residence. Um, it leads to the guys having to start a vehicle, come up to our shop, fire up another truck, warm it up, and then go out on an emergency call either for the RCMP or a broken down vehicle on the road. Um, so basically what we're looking at is trying to get those timelines up. I've worked with the RCMP on this as well, who have also requested that we get this going and uh, just want to see your views on this. 
well, I'm pretty agnostic about, about this. Uh, I don't really, uh, I'm not, I um, just recently been aware, made aware through you what the, uh, what the issue is. I can't say I fully understand it. So we have a parking restriction that, uh, how does that impact your business exactly? Your, so, your guys, your guys have run diesel engines and you can't let them uh, run all night or I'm not understanding that. So your worship, what are, uh, what the, the issue that we're finding and it's mostly with one truck that we have in town, most of my other guys live out of town. Oh, okay. Um, is we're a 24 hour towing company. So I get upwards to 20 or 30 calls in an, in a night. A lot of these are to do with the RCMP. We do work hand in hand with bylaw as well, um, getting units off the road and whatnot. And the issue that we have is our timelines to, to get to location are delayed by an hour, 45 minutes because of a guy having to not being able to park the unit at his house. And I have no problem, and I had mentioned this to, uh, I believe, just let me take a quick look here. Um, I had mentioned this to Officer Wicks as well um, about uh, having to pay for a parking permit or whatever we need to do on that end, but just to try and get the timeline up. So uh, are you generating, uh, is so, so you, you are running the vehicle uh, right now, I, I assume, and is that generating complaints or has it generated complaints in the past or? Your Worship, if I just jump in there, sure. um, the, the report, the request for decision um, under new business, number one, exemption to bylaw 1746, that report uh, basically classifies uh, and covers this whole topic. Um, so what happened was, is we originally, um, we, we didn't know if Mr. Van Ork was going to do a presentation. We didn't find that out until after we um, s s uh, set the agenda. Uh, we did offer to him last week. And so I believe he responded on Friday. So the agenda goes out on Thursday, as you know. So we did have a request for decision and it deals with all that. Uh, yes, we have had complaints. Uh, matter of fact, uh, in that report, there is the complaint um, from one of the citizens there. Uh, also, what has happened is we've been dealing with this issue for close to two years now. Um, and uh, Tim Harris was gonna take you through that report in council through that report uh, after this presentation. Well, why don't you, um... Well, we might as well deal with it uh, all in one go. So, Mr. Harris, why don't you go through uh, this request for a decision, and uh, and uh, we'll give Mr. Van Ort an opportunity to confirm or rebut, and uh, we'll obviously have to try and make a decision here. So your worship council, um, I believe you have the request uh, 
for exemption report in front of you. Um, this came about due to complaints that uh, the town did receive from residents in the area regarding the parking of the truck on the street. Um, some of the issues that has affected the, the neighbors is uh, just the general appearance of a large commercial vehicle in the, the residential area, uh, possible degradation of the roadway, the oversized vehicle, the um, debris and fluid left on the roadway by the vehicle, uh, the noise of the vehicle running, especially during uh, the hours of the nighttime uh, as it warms up and uh, also possible uh, danger to um, children and, and that uh, to, to, uh, generally on uh, residential streets. Um, so the town bylaw, the uh, traffic and streets bylaw does uh, provide um, for the, uh, the prohibition of parking commercial vehicles on a residential street, any commercial vehicle exceeding three tons gross weight, and uh, also no vehicle, uh, singly, no vehicle shall exceed six meters in length upon a highway in a residential area. Uh, so the uh, complaint was received, there is a letter um, of opposition to the exemption, which was included in your package there uh, from residents in that area stating uh, that the uh, offense is under that bylaw. Uh, right. It is um, senior administration's uh, recommendation that uh, under option three that the council declines to grant an exemption permit for parking commercial vehicles such as this in residential neighborhoods. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So your recommendation is to decline any exemption to permit tow trucks and towing companies to park towing trucks in residential neighborhoods. So I think, uh, Mr. Van Ort, uh, uh, did you have a chance to to read through uh, through the comments uh, through the. Uh, the briefing note uh, provided by uh, administration. You want to respond to anything there? Sorry, Richard. Uh, no, I never got a chance to see the briefing quote. Um, it wasn't sent to me that I was aware of. Um, if it was posted on there, right? Um, the the I understand where you guys are coming from on your level with uh, heavy duty trucks. Uh, these trucks are not being run all night, just so you are aware. Yeah. Uh, they do come and go throughout the night, yes. And uh, the, my, biggest, my biggest issue to this is a call that we had, it was at minus 27 when we had that cold snap. And I had a guy break down a hundred kilometers north of Red Earth. Um, our timeline to get a hundred kilometers north of Red Earth is upwards to three hours as it stands. Um, 
with somebody freezing on the side of the road. This call was generated at uh, 1.50 in the morning and it just worries me that, you know, the longer it takes for us to get to these calls on the side of the road or when somebody hits the ditch or when there is an accident. Um, we have a three lane bridge now, but as last year when we were having accidents on our bridge, our timeline to get to those accidents was up as well, um, shutting down roads and whatnot for a lot longer than needed. And that's kind of my reach here to try and get something happening. And I'm sure there's, there'll be, well, Mr. Ford has a question. I'll uh, let Mr. Ford ask his question. I think he's been waiting, waiting patiently to make this and comment. Mr. Anwart, just so you're aware, I'm quite uh, familiar with response times. I come from a fire service background, so I know what you're talking about there. I've also dealt with some, uh, in my first term of council, some uh, large truck parking on the north end of town. And they also were not idling their vehicles all night, but it's the, the starting and warming them up that uh, disturbs the residents in their neighborhood. But I did read the report and you're, if I'm correct, you're speaking specifically to one employee and, uh, and his residence in the Saddleback area, am I correct? Yes, you are correct. Okay. so. Just me thinking out loud here when I when I'm looking at response times, I, I understand where you're coming from there, but you're right next door to uh, an industrial park area where there's uh, quite a bit of area at a park, which is only a block away from or not even a half a block away from that residence. Is that something you could look at doing is parking that vehicle there. That way your response time is still cut down, but your employee might have to walk half a block to start the truck. It's definitely something we can look into. Um, the reason, like, he is moving out of town here right away as of uh, February 1st. The reason I was looking at getting something more on the town's end is I'm going to end up hiring other people. They're going to be in town. We have had issues in the north end as well um, with the guys parking down there, uh, and they were parked along the street. This was la two winters ago, I believe, um, and we got a few citation notices on that. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is I'm trying to figure out what we can do in the future. I do agree, and I have looked into the parking at the commercial areas. It's just trying to work it out with, you know, the people that own those buildings as well, right? Yeah, um, I, th I think if you put yourself in our shoes, this is, uh, this is very awkward. Um, you know, the fact is that uh, there is a three ton limit. You got a five ton truck. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a limit on length, um, I think six meters or something like that. And uh, and you've got uh, you've got one that's over seven. Um, it really and and as you yourself has have acknowledged there, um, these these vehicles are uh, generating complaints 
uh, from residents uh, that that have actually bought these houses for uh, uh, oftentimes for quality of life issues. Um, it is pretty awkward. Uh, certainly, the solution is is for you to have a commercial uh, a commercial uh, lot uh, where your your employee can take their regular gasoline vehicle and and go and uh, and start up your uh, your express service. Um, um, I realize that puts an additional cost in your business, and that's that's rather um, obviously you want to uh, keep a profit margin so you can put bread on your own table. Um, but. Um, um we we could let the other uh the other um the other counselors weigh in here but this you're you're asking for a lot let me just put it that way uh, mr scamahorn um a number of people in town operate school buses and they're obviously longer than uh six meters um the workaround for lots of those is they park their personal vehicles on the street which is fine and then they park their work vehicle in the driveway so uh, that might have to be something that you could do that would you know solve all the problems uh it doesn't really help if you have somebody that's living in an apartment working for you i'm afraid but but so there there, there are solutions that do involve you know close proximity to the house but if i'm looking at I'm just looking at the picture that we've been provided in our our briefing package, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, moving some things around for that individual um, and allowing them to park, maybe they can park their truck in their own driveway. But, you know, I mean, my issue with that too, is if I have to park that vehicle in my driveway, my driveway is not built for, uh, for a five ton vehicle. So it's going to sink through it. But at the same time, neither is our residential streets. So that's the other side to it as well is, is, is we're, uh, you know, incurring extra wear and tear on the residential streets. So, um, that, that's kind of where, where we would be, where we would be stuck with it. And if it was next to my house every, you know, three in the morning and I'm trying to keep the baby sleeping, which I'm out of babies now, thankfully. Um, but if it's getting woken up in the middle of the night with the truck starting and stopping all night long or whatever, that's, I guess that's why we have commercial zoning and, and that kind of thing. So I'm not unsympathetic, uh, towards your, your plight there, but, um, I guess maybe when you advertise to hire more guys, <laughs> telling them that a long driveway is an asset to them, uh, being employed by you might help too. either. Uh, sorry, I I'm, I'm disinclined to, to allow for the exemption but at the same time i want to make sure that it's supplied fairly so if there are other businesses that are taking you know liberties with with parking as well we want to make sure that you're not being picked on on yours and that others are are seeing the same level of enforcement too and that's for <clears throat> for the chief harris to deal with and i'm not trying to tell him his job i'm just want to 
putting that out there. Either way, uh, those are my thoughts. Mr. Good. One of the difficulties, uh, Mr. Van Ort, is that you mentioned that this gentleman's going to be moving out to the country. And then you said that, that but this situation could arise with, you know, other people that would get hired. So basically you would be looking then again for this exemption in their neighborhood, wherever they happen to move to. And I think that that's, that's part of the reason we have zoning is so that it's known ahead of time what's what's okay what's not okay and what's what's supposed to be done and um while i understand that the timeline issue um that that is really a management issue to resolve um you have your comments here about the rcmp um sergeant wicks for example he agreed something needs to be done uh, as he has to wait for the units yeah he probably would like to see you there quicker but that doesn't really, in my mind, change our zoning or put an, an onus on us to change the zoning, I'll be honest with you. Um, and the other comment about um, speaking with the, the detachment commander, uh, and he spoke to you about the timeline and the calls and the difficulty. I understand that also, but I'm also not prepared to or I have difficulty is saying yes in a case like this and then having it well, you said yes last time when the guy lived here and now our new employee lives here and now we're going to come to you again for another exemption. I don't, I don't think that's a road I'm really comfortable going down. Any other comments, Mr. Ford? Yeah, oh. just a follow-up uh, comment to uh, one of Councillor Scannelhorn's uh, remarks um, when it comes to uh, longer driveway and parking that style of vehicle in a driveway. That's one of the uh, the complaints I had on my on my first uh, term in council. But Mr. Harris, correct me if I'm wrong, even if it's parked in your driveway, uh, diesel vehicle, winter time, um, and I didn't see it in this report, but there is also an idling bylaw, is there not, with time restriction? There is, uh, it is covered in, in the bylaw, yeah. Um, prohibitation on, on long-term idling of vehicles in residential areas. Ms. Downing, you had your hand up at one point. Thank you, Your Worship. Uh, Mr. Van Ort, I really do appreciate that you've brought this to us as a council. It does give us an opportunity to look at, at this situation again. Um, I have to uh, agree with my co-counselors. It's a challenge. Uh, trying to create a situation where we say yes to something in one area, then we're looking at it again in another area. The issues that the residents bring up, like, uh, you know, like being able to see around a big vehicle in your neighborhood, that's a real challenge um, in residential areas because the roadways are just not made to be big enough to accommodate that safely. Um, that would be maybe not so much in that cul-de-sac uh, example, but in some of our other residential streets in Peace River. Um, and, and I can't tell you how much uh, we would hear about the fact that if it impeded any snow removal, geez, Dan, that's a, that's a big issue for us. And so um, I, I, I am too sympathetic with, you know, the response times being reduced. I'm just not sure if we've zeroed in on the solution here. Thank you, Your Worship. 
Mr. Needham. Uh, Mr. Van Orth, I, I appreciate uh, the issue you're trying to resolve from uh, from your bottom line. Uh, I, I guess what I would say is that, uh, much like my colleagues, uh, this bylaw has been on our books for many, many years. Uh, it's been tweaked this way and that way, but it's been here a long time. Uh, and certainly I would have liked to have thought that your business model would would uh, would recognize that existence. So. Uh, well, I'm sympathetic to your cause. I'm, uh, I would have trouble granting you an exemption. I think, I think it should be said. Thank you, Mr. Needham. I think it should be said, though, that we appreciate you coming and, and anyone that's listening. We want to make sure that everyone does feel welcome to bring stuff to us. Like even if, I mean, sometimes we do have to say no, and that sucks because we want to make sure that, you know, especially for you know, businesses and trying to help people out and get people off the road and get people home safely. And that's important. But um, so it's hard to say no to something like that. Um, but we do want to make sure that you uh, you feel welcome here and appreciated and listened to. And thanks for, you know, putting in that kind of work and managing a crew of guys that are, you know, out there making a difference in the winter. So Okay. Um, Mr. Harris, or, uh, yeah, I should, I uh, just want to ask you, Mr. Harris, uh, um, I was actually under the impression that, um, school buses, while well, this is somewhat extraneous to this particular issue, uh, you couldn't park school buses at your home residence anymore. I think that was an issue at one time. Or maybe, or perhaps that became an issue with the uh, with the busing uh, busing people at uh, Peace River School Division, and they wanted their buses in the uh, in the lot overnight. I haven't seen school buses in in uh, parking lanes for quite some time. Do we have a bylaw on that or I guess I'm not familiar with the history um, yeah. of the school bus issue. I think that was before my time. Um, and right off the bat, I'm not sure if there is an exemption for school buses. Uh, definitely uh, look into it. Yeah, I'm just curious. If it helps answer the question, there is a school bus that uh, uh, parks on 81st Avenue, but it's always parked in the uh, residence's driveway. Okay. Section 402 of the bylaw does talk about school buses, but only allowed when they're transporting students, stopping stuff like that. Well, so my one question to Mr. Van Hort, uh, Mr. Van Hort, this is mostly a, a winter kind of uh, situation. If it was summer, the fellow would be parking in your lot and no problem because he'd drive there and get the work vehicle and take off. Yes, for the most part, it's mostly winter. It's just... I mean, we've had a very mild winter this winter. It hasn't been crazy. We've had some cold snaps. Um, but when it is minus 
30 to 40, you have a lot of broke down vehicles, um, issues on the highways, that type of thing. It's just trying to get that timeline. And I have personally went out in my personal pickup and picked somebody up off the side of the road so that they don't freeze while the tow truck is, you know, while a guy's going to get his tow truck and get all that stuff. Um, I guess my other question is, so if he can park this unit in his driveway, he can park it at his residence is what you are saying. I, uh, well, it sounds like part of the issue is noise complaints. Um, and you also have an overweight vehicle that's going into an area where, uh, uh, which is only uh, rated for three ton vehicles. Um, I'm not quite sure how the length of the vehicle may affect uh, just parking in that general neighborhood. And then Mr. Good did speak to uh, zoning. Um, I, I would just say to be clear, I'm not sure that we're saying what Mr. Van Ort said there, that we're saying it's okay to park at the driveway. I'm not, yeah. I'm not jumping to that statement. I think Mr. Scamhorn um, threw that out as a brainstorming possible well, solution. I, I think for for our purposes, we are making the decision on the exception or not. And that's that's what the role of council is here in terms of right. you know what happens with the driveway or whatever thing else. I think that's an ongoing conversation that you could have with uh, um maybe it's maybe it's mr harris maybe it's uh constable wicks maybe you know whomever and that might be something that you can you know work work that out and if it's if it's a case of uh you know a few weeks uh to to deal with before you know the situation changes for you then then great but yeah i know there's 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 plenty you know there's plenty of of uh school buses parked in driveways around town and we uh Okay. Don't hear much of it. I, 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 you know, just you know. But as far as council's rule tonight, it's it's only ruling on the exception or not, and and I think. Well, but it also looks like there's some issues around um, over overweight vehicles uh, uh, being driven on. Uh, is 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 the is the overweight and over length vehicles is that an is that an issue uh, mr harris like there's exemptions but if you've always got an overweight vehicle uh, we had a parking we were looking for a parking exemption but we're not looking for an overweight exemption so is that a does that become an issue as well do we need to would we need to issue a Obviously, if there's a breakdown, this vehicle in a residential neighborhood, this vehicle needs to go into that neighborhood. So I'm I'm not sure how the overweight part uh, gets addressed. And there's I mean there's exemption for over, overweight vehicles who are performing you know a delivery um, or performing their their business. So the truck going to pick up the car obviously would be exempted, but the, the fact of having the truck parked in a residence is in effect running that business from a residence. Right. Um, 
so then that you know that comes into those kind of uh, arguments as well yeah it starts opening up a can of worms i think mr ort um because it sounds like the issue is not just the parking exemption the issue is also uh um you're getting a number of complaints some of them idling ms mcquig um your worship my apologies um in uh, your a copy of the bylaw that accompanies it, definition 10, a, a driveway is considered a highway. So unfortunately, parking it in the driveway is um, not permissible under the bylaw unless exempted. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering that. That's why I brought up that question, but... Uh, uh, so we got we got people violating the bylaw all over town. My yeah. goodness. <laughs> yeah, 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 but they're, they're so, gonna be sorry that, that you came to us, Danny, I'm afraid now they're, they're <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so um you know the, the real solution here is somehow, Mr. Van Ord, if you can, uh, or employees that do uh, have a residence in the town of Peace River, if they can go to your commercial complex and, uh, and, uh, and start up the vehicle there, uh, it may add uh, some additional time, response time, but uh, you know, at two in the morning, uh, this isn't like New York City. You should be able to get to your uh, commercial establishment. But um, cer certainly you can see that we're not uh, very keen on a parking exemption. Uh, if you can make uh, Mr. Scamahorn's, uh, Mr. Scamahorn's suggestion uh, workable, um, and early indications are even that is uh, uh, that may be trespassing upon the uh, upon the bylaw. Um, I I don't think you'll get a uh, you'll get an exemption from us. Uh, likewise, there's also the uh, anti-idling bylaw which uh, I don't know if that that would become a is going to be an issue for you given climate change but uh, <laughs> I you don't have to run it uh, all night to because we're not going to get down to minus 40 but uh, um, yeah we're 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 uh, I I think that there's, we'll obviously put it to some some sort of vote here, Mr. Van Oort, but uh, I think the consensus looks like we won't be giving you a parking exemption. Mr. Needham or Mr. Good, you guys? I was uh, going to suggest, uh, Your Worship, to draw this topic to a close. Regrettably, I would put a motion on the floor that we uh, Find uh, the request for this exemption. Yeah. 
Uh, Mr. Good, were you going to and, add? And Mr. Van North, I tried to be as kind as I could, so please forgive me. <laughs> All in favor of Mr. Needham's motion. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Van Ort, and uh, hopefully this doesn't leave too bad a taste in your mouth, but uh, I, I think that uh, we, we're, uh, we're not able, uh, we wouldn't be, we, we, based on the bylaws that we have, which are really written with the residents of mind, uh, we wouldn't be able to give you an exemption. No, and I want to thank you for your guys' time. That's uh, basically it was my, you know, a mindset to bring this to the table and see what the options were. I wasn't overly expecting this, um, but if there are options we can work with, I do have one smaller unit that meets the requirements of the parking. Um, it's uh, quite a bit smaller. It's just basically a pickup. And uh, so I will, you know, utilize that to my extent there and we'll look into uh, making sure we hire people that are not within the town limits, I guess. So we can go from there. But I do really appreciate your guys' time and you looking into this. I do see that you guys have put a lot of time into it and uh, yeah, I'm. I I think we're we're at that point now where we know what we need to do. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Mr. Ford. You were going to say something. Yeah, the only the only suggestion I could have for Mr. Van Ort would be uh, definitely talk to some of those uh, businesses up in that Saddleback Industrial Park area. Um, I know some of those businesses might even appreciate um, having a vehicle. Um, parked in their front area of their business in that industrial park and seeing the movement going back and back and forth would uh, probably deteriorate, deteriorate some of the uh, property crime issues that we're having up in those areas. Okay. Great. Uh, essentially ends up taking us to uh, 2021 census resolution. Uh, thank you very much, Your Worship and Council. Uh, this is uh, just a simple request. Uh, every uh, five years, uh, the census is done. Um, uh, and so they're doing it uh, this year. They're hiring 32,000 people. Uh, the first request they had is they asked if we would uh, actually help advertise it on our website uh, for hiring some local people to uh, do the census. And we have done so. But their second request is they're asking that... Uh, Basically, it's important to get, and there's a lot of people who use this information, uh, the census information, so they're asking for just a um, basic uh, uh, a resolution encouraging residents to participate uh, in the 2021 um, census. And so that's uh, basically what this request is, is uh, a motion to, and a resolution to uh, encourage the town of Peace River residents to participate in the 2021 census. So you want a motion to encourage people to engage yep. in the 2021 census? Yeah, to complete their census questionnaire online. Okay, so, so you're gonna try and make this as easy as possible for them. That's what you're saying. 
that's basically what we're trying to. So whether, what other, uh, what other, um, what else do you have in place that to, uh, to make it easier for people to participate? Is there well, a ballot that they can put in or what? This is all that they requested us to, to do, so. Um, well, obviously uh, this is important to the town. You obviously you don't want to be undercounted. So, is there anything else that we need to do to uh, to? We, uh, we could put it into a, a, a monthly flyer and talk about how the census actually affects the town because we do get grant funding, and it's based on the numbers. Yeah, and uh, so that 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 could uh, could be um, you know something extra that we could do for advertising and encouragement. What if our numbers go down? Then you fill out the census twice. Oh, kind of like voting. No, don't, don't, don't. I didn't, I'm kidding. So Mr. Mayor, I would uh, move that uh, the recommendation uh, be approved. What about uh, with the, uh, with the addition of uh, and the educational aspects be uh, advertised on the website and in a uh, one of the monthly um, uh, memos that go to homes with the monthly utility bill um, mr parker one time uh, communities used to do voter registration um, and used to go door to door. Uh, obviously that takes time and resources, but uh, it's important to have accurate numbers. Would uh, doing a voter registration and combining this Stats Canada opportunity, uh, are there some synergies there? Uh, that would be a budgetary item, Your Worship. Uh, well, perhaps you can look into that and get back to us, but uh, we'll vote on the current. Because uh, you can talk about a budgetary item, but uh, if we don't get uh, all our uh, citizens to register, it's going to affect the budget, the overall budget, because the grants won't be there for us. So, okay. So, Ms. Uh, uh, Ms. Manzer has a motion on the floor. Uh, perhaps you could read that back to us, Ms. McQuaig. Certainly, Your Worship. What I currently have is uh, that the Council of the Town of Peace River supports the 2021 census and encourages all residents to complete their census questionnaire online at www.census.gc.ca. Since accurate and complete census data supports programs and services that benefit our community and that the benefits of the census be posted on the website and sent out by utility bill. Very good. All in favor? None.
Um, Ms. Bell is going to present a uh, library board appointment. Good evening, your worshiping council. Um, can everyone hear me all right? Yeah, we can hear you better okay. than we can hear Byron, Byron Scamahorn. Oh, wow. Crank his volume. <laughs> um, for some reason, my report, oh, there it is, sorry. This is a request from the Peace River Municipal Library Board for the appointment of a new member to their board. The applicant is Mr. Carson Murphy. We can attest to his value to the community and to this board also. Um, I provide council with some options, but at this point the board is recommending uh, council approve this applicant to the library board. Okay, um, um, who's making that motion? Ms. Downing, very good, all in favor? Thank you. Assuming that everyone vote, that since everyone voted, since it, the vote was unanimous, that there's no objections to Mr. Carson, Mr. Carson Murphy. Okay. Uh, budget deliberations um, and 2021 budget deliberations. I'm assuming Mr. Town is going to answer this um, or speak to this. I am. Good evening, Your Worship and Council. Um, so we have some of our regularly scheduled budget um, deliberations and discussions at um, we had planned for and identified within our, our budget book when we had listed out the schedule saying that this would be a regularly um, scheduled uh, session for budget type deliberations. So um, here we are. And as we go through this, um, I'll do a really quick recap um, and uh, talk about what we're hoping to achieve this evening. Um, so I'm just going to share my screen. Oops. Here it comes, and there we go. Um, which um, council, as you know, and if anyone is watching, um, what has happened within the budget is um, we, we've generally presented a a um, zero impact or zero rate increase budget as is. Um, at least I've been saying that throughout the whole process. Um, it is time to, um, as we come up, we have two decision packages that are, are in front of us still. Um, and the impacts of those decision packages may or may not have impacts on um, budget changes and changes to, to tax bills, which is the proxy that we use. We don't necessarily look at tax um, rates per se. We, our focus is more on, on tax bills and we look at an average tax bill. Um, so right now the operating budget that is presented, and you'll notice I threw that word operating in, um, does have a zero tax bill impact. But as we get into our discussions around the capital budget, which will be our first decision package this evening, um, depending on the total, totality of the capital program that council would like to proceed with this year, um, there may be tax bill impacts because the items we are showing now um, 
the projects that we're showing are in excess of the funding we have available to do that within our pre-existing pot of, of monies that we have in any one year. And councils received this information before. Um, we have approximately $4.3 million of our own monies that we could use towards capital projects. Anything above and beyond that we need to um, find the funding for and our funding options are, are limited. Generally, internally, it's use of our own reserves or debt. Externally, it would be finding um, monies from other sources, whether it's provincial, federal, or intermunicipal. Um, just as a further way of information to council, I do um, say um, if we've received any questions or um, request items, at the staff level. Uh, the short answer to that is no, except for Deputy Mayor Manzer, who sent a nice uh, list of questions last week, which we had answered. I don't know if there's anything there that needs to be publicly shared, but we were able to respond to her in um, timely fashion with, with her questions. And she's the, the only one that's really submitted any um, type of questions through this, this process. So um, again, but from a public perspective, um, haven't had any any questions or any inquiries to pass along from the public. So I'm gonna I'm gonna flip to the capital um, budget. This is shown within your budget book, um, and within the briefing note that was distributed both two weeks ago on the 11th and the the briefing note from today. Um, but it's those, those are a little different because as we've gone through this process and identification, um, we did identify a project that had been left off. Um, that should be completed in 2021. And that is this project here, I'll just highlight it. Oops, I'm already using that color, so let's go green. Um, and that's for landscaping at the pool and, and work on the retaining wall. Um, budget $112,000 to uh, be able to complete that work. And that's a, um, it's a preventative maintenance and asset management uh, type project for, for work to be done at the pool. Um, so that does add to the overall budget amount. I do Your need to- Are we jumping in with questions, Greg? Or are we waiting till the end? What's the thing? Please, please just jump in. Cause again, the way my screen is showing, I can't see everyone. So if you wave, um, I won't be able to see. So just please jump in and we'll ans answer right away. So Greg, you mentioned the pool retaining wall in our discussion last time. And it was about 60,000 less than what we're quoted here today. Is that because we didn't have the landscaping in just uh, we were spitballing. I feel like it was 60,000 was what I remember, um, but I could be wrong. This just was a surprising number when I looked at this. Um, if we did, and I did say that I probably was spitballing and um, had a lower number. Um, I know we were still looking for quotes at the time and it did come in a bit higher than we expected, um, but this is a fairly um, accurate number. Yeah, this includes, uh, sorry, Greg Gay, specific yep. quote to replace the entire uh, wood retaining walls at the front and along the one full side of the building because we've repaired and repaired and we're past repairs. 
Um, it also includes a, adding some recycling enclosures to, oh shoot, I can't remember the street number now, on the backside of the pool for the units that are sitting out on the road, which is a small, much smaller amount of the budget, but um, also required because right now they're in parking stalls on the street. Right. Thank you, Tanya. Yeah. And again, if there's any other questions, please just just interrupt. Um, so as of right now, um, we are showing we, we do have our available funds and that was identified um, as the $4.3 million approximately of our funds that we have. Plus Council had directed and identified 600,000 from previous 2020 um, ICF monies to be, nope, sorry, from current year 2021 ICF monies to be used towards the current year capital program. Um, so 600,000 was brought in to help uh, do more capital work and, and replacement of items. Um, so the total funds available to us is just under $4.9 million. But looking at this number, which is the difference versus what we are showing on our list here is $832,000. Um, within the, the briefing note, the one that was distributed today, and I'll just um, go to that and, and discuss it briefly. Um, you know, the purpose of this note is to identify the amended capital budget, which we did. There were changes um, in the addition of that, that um, project, uh, the pool landscaping and retaining wall. Um, we're also renaming a project. It was the greater replacement. Um, we're now calling it heavy equipment replacement. Um, and as, um, as we've gone through this and firmed up other numbers, Director McQuig has identified there might be opportunity for um, to purchase additional equipment within that same budget envelope. So we didn't want to just say it was a greater because it could be a greater and potentially something else. Um, and as that happens, uh, Director McQuig will apprise council of, of what we're doing with those monies. It's not a budget impact, a financial impact. It's more of a category and or, or name change just to um, not singularly identified as a greeter. Um, and then I also talked about here, and it, it gets a little confusing with the capital budget, and I, I understand that because it's not, you know, we don't necessarily use tax money for this, so it's not like we could, there's a, a clear-cut revenue source for it, um, but it does talk about um, where we get the money from and the utilization of, of that money. So as I've discussed before, um, we do have normally our $4.3 million of funding to do capital work this year, 4.9 with the introduction of that additional 600,000. Um, and there is some other information there which does talk about our, our capital reserve funds. And these are numbers straight from our, our most recent financial statements, which shows that um, money that we have available to us, some of it is is a little uh, targeted. So for example, the museum money is um, targeted towards museum and uh, the rest of the stuff is general in nature. Um, we do try to target it towards the use as identified here. And again, you know, the goal is not to empty it, it's to 
try to maintain our capital reserve balances and or increase them. Um, prior discussions with, with staff and again with the auditor has identified that those amounts should be um, higher as able. And again, it's important to point out that the totality of our our infrastructure, so the purchase costs, and again, these are historic costs, so some of them might go back 10, 20, 30 years when, when prices were lower. But I'm just sorry, just, whoops, unable to see chat, so if they're directed towards me, um, you'll have to um, say it out verbally, but that's okay. Um, so the totality of our, the, the, the net book cost of our, our purchases is just under $230 million. Um, if we were to replace all those items now, it'd be most likely double that. Um, and the monies that we have in our general capital fund, which we use as a, a contribution towards the funding of our capital program. So our operating fund uh, contributes to the capital fund and the capital fund um, then contributes towards capital pro projects. Um, you hope that the capital fund is increased over time and not decreased. Um, as it is at the $4.5 million, it's quite low when you look at in the comparison of our total capital um, infrastructure that's in place. So based on the budget that's been presented, staff did go back and, and did discuss the proposed capital budget. Um, and we looked at it through the lens of um, what is truly required. And again, that's a little subjective and or breaking it down um, between a, a need versus a want. Um, when you sort of look at some pretty broad criteria such as, you know, our ability or the impact on our operations, um, planned or required replacements to keep our infrastructure up to a certain level or health and safety concerns. Um, from a staff perspective, and I do wanna stress from staff, you know, we did identify that there's likely two projects that can be deleted or deferred without significantly impacting, significantly impacting operations. And that's the proposed um, dog leash on the west side, on the west hill here and phase two of the Saddleback Park. Um, so from a, a staff perspective, and of course we'll do whatever council wishes, but from a staff perspective, um, our recommendation is that these projects be deferred, not canceled, but deferred and then included in 2022 capital budget deliberations. This would reduce our capital budget by over 650,000 um, and basically be close enough to our available funding to finalize our capital budget discussions. Um, another benefit to deferring will be to uh, solicit funding through our new ICF committees with Northern Lights and Northern Sunrise County. Um, and again, haven't been able to do that. This is a new process for us. We are firming up what these committees um, and, and the timing of them and how they work. Um, and these are categorized as regional services, so requesting capital funding for um, one or both of these projects through these committees makes sense from a funding uh, perspective. Sorry, go ahead. Explain the rationale how a West Side 
dog off leash park and the Saddleback Park phase two is a re our regional projects. So under the ICF agreements, um, we have broad categories and there's pillars that we, um, the provincial government has um, allocated or designated them to be used through our ICF discussions. Um, so transportation, for example, example is a pillar. Um, water and sewer could be a pillar. Um, waste management um, could be. Um, and then recreation and, and cultural services is um, a pillar and, and something that could be um, brought into our ICF agreement. So during our deliberations with both Northern Sunrise and Northern Lights, um, they have both agreed to funding of our recreation and outdoor parks um, program. And you know, there's different subcategories, subcategories there. So there's parks, there's trails, um, there's recreation facilities. And since they are funding um, parks at the operational level, it does make sense or at least I think it makes sense that um, they would be um, agreeable to funding on, on the capital side. Well, psychologically, they're not going to agree to this. And and, uh, and the ICF agreement is still a negotiation. We still have to convince them that this falls into recreational uh, activities that they would, uh, that the region would benefit from. I, I don't see how anyone from a rural area is going to think that a West Side dog off leash park is a benefit a benefit to them. But I know there's uh, some big big advocates around the table for dog leash parks, but uh, this is this is not something that's going to uh, appeal to the better nature of of. Uh, <clears throat> Of our uh, rural, of our rural sisters, and likewise the Saddleback Park Phase Two. I. So the way the ICF funding model is now, uh, we have ICF monies from uh, from our friends at. Uh, up on, on top of the hill uh, from Northern oh, the County, County that you don't really have to ask them. There's, you just put it into the Saddleback Park Phase 2 or even the Dog Leash Park. But you do have to convince uh, our, our friends at the County of Northern Lights. And they're going to say, okay, you've got a Saddleback Park we, we really don't have access to it. It's in the middle of a residential neighborhood. It's obviously built for the residents. Uh, it's meant to attract people into that area, into that residential area. Listen, we've got your water. We're just, we're gonna uh, put off a little uh, green, green, green space in the middle of Weberville. We'll water it with your water uh, and we'll call that a park. And uh, uh, like they're, they're psychologically, they're not going to go for it. So I, so to use this ICF thing, uh, that's a, uh, 
you, you're uh, you're trying to pull the wool over our eyes here. Uh, psychologically, if you're going to get uh, these the the uh, ICF partners to agree, and I'll assume that uh, our friends at MD of Peace are eventually going to become ICF partners. You have to you're going to have to convince them to go with a project that. Um, a, they, they want, which could very well be a, uh, a ski hill, um, and, 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 and follow up on that, but to introduce a park that's in the middle of a residential area, uh, that, and to think that you're going to get them to uh, put money into that capital dollars, that's not going to happen. So uh, what are we are we arguing for not like what, what's the goal here? Are we saying we should be doing it now or or, or what? Yeah, well, I, I'll uh, yeah, I think we should be doing it now. The uh, partly because you'll be looking for votes from the Saddleback area. And you know, those people do come out and vote. And you need to uh, I know that we've done the neighborhood renewal and we can point to, uh, for that area, we can probably point to uh, less, uh, less line breaks uh, <clears throat> uh, that we basically made that Saddleback area, a, an area that's equivalent to uh, Shaftesbury Estates, uh, pretty solid, pretty solid area, but that was, four years ago, it, the question is, what have you done for me recently? And certainly the Saddleback Park is, is uh, phase two would be able to point to that. The, uh, when I, so since I have the floor then, <clears throat> I might as well, uh, so the issue is we all, we're $700,000 short. Uh, That's correct. 830,000 as of right now. 830,000. Yes. And so let's let's go through some of these projects. Um So what what exactly is involved in the water treatment plant upgrades? Is this is this a regulatory mandated uh, upgrade or is this an upgrade that makes the workload easier on on our uh, on our employees. Mr. Uh, Mr. Um, Director McClague, these are the Paul upgrades in the um, chlorine tanks. So do you want to speak to them? We can't hear you, Jim. Okay. Very faint. You're a little faint. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. So well, could could you speak up a bit, Jim? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, 
uh, we have two upgrades here. Uh, one is the Paul system upgrade, which is the front end filter set uh, that uh, we can no longer get replacement parts for. So we're having to replace uh, part of that system uh, this year to the tune of uh, a little over $100,000. The other major project that's being covered under this uh, program is replacement of chlorine tanks, which uh, we've, over the years, we've kept uh, welding and welding and re-welding in their, their plastic uh, containers uh, that uh, hold our chlorine uh, tanks. And they're just, we've just run to the point where we can no longer weld them satisfactorily. They keep leaking. And so they need to be repl replaced. And this is a, a, a safety and hazard issue. Uh, what do you mean? It's a safety and hazard issue. So you well, you're got, leaking chlorine. And where is that being? Uh, so it's the actual chlor. So you don't add sodium hypochlorite. You it, it, well, it is the sodium sodium hypochlorite tanks which produce the chlorine, right? So okay, that's a little different than chlorine contact tank. Um, One of the problems with the water and sewer, if you don't mind me jumping in there for, for a moment, any of the water and sewer ones uh, is partially funded by water and sewer anyway. So we wouldn't be transferring that the, the reserve money that we're using for water and sewer over. Now, not all of it. Like, for example, um, the other major uh, um, project in that is that, uh, what is it? The biosolids dewatering pit for 640000 if we were to cancel that one to next year, it would only save us 400,000 uh, because 200 and about 40,000 comes from uh, the water wastewater uh, reserve. Um, what do you mean you'd only save 400,000? Because 400 is from MSI that we were using. So of the total 100, 640,000, 240 comes from the water and wastewater uh, reserve capital. So you wouldn't be using that onto a park or any of the other projects. You, that's reserve money for that we built up for water wastewater. They're, they're separate funds. You Yes. By canceling the whole project, you would free up some monies, but not the whole amount of the money. And the money you would free up in this case would be $400,000. Okay, let's, uh, I'll have some questions in the biosolids dewatering one in a minute here. So let's go back to the water treatment plant. So we're saying that's 305,000? That's correct. So 100,000 uh, had to do is with the uh, pre-filtering unit? That's correct, yeah. And how many pre-filtering units do you have? We have uh, two banks in there two banks and the issue is that you if one fails you or if both fail you don't have any replacement that, that's correct and we can't obtain any replacement parts now at least not from the, the original supplier that we've been able to source you your worship right so uh, so your issue is so what's the probability that both of them are going to fail in, in the next 12 months? Well, both of them will 
not fail, but I don't know if we would want to uh, put uh, our community at that kind of risk level. What, uh, well, describe the risk level. So you've got, uh, let's say one fails. And so, then if the second one fails in that same year. And yeah, well, so what's the risk level? And then, well, then you're having to shut down your water treatment plant. No, that's not the risk level. You've got these membrane units. And, and uh, so you need to describe to me, uh, uh, so, so the issue is, is during high turbidity events, these pre-filters take out most of the turbidity. Uh, what's the risk of, of them failing, the probability of the failing? And if they both did fail, would the PAL system be able to, uh, the membrane system still be able to keep up? And uh, you could very well argue that it would. You'd probably be rinsing and cleaning it more often, and so there's there's that. Uh, so this is another risk. Uh, this is another risk issue, and I I don't. You you wouldn't be uh, the probability you'd have to shut down the water treatment plant would. I I think you're. That'd be well, depending upon you know what you're looking water. at for turbidity, terp right? Yeah, but uh, to to have them both fail, um, let's not also forget that we have number of reservoirs, so that we could we could still uh, throttle back if one failed and uh, manage our way through a turbidity event. The other one is. Uh, so, so then you've got $200,000 welding. Can you, uh, the question there is, can you, can you uh, phase, phase that in? So how many tanks are we talking about? Well, we're looking at convert, uh, converting to a modular system, Your Worship. Uh, the problem is we can't get the large tanks uh, in and out of there anymore because uh, the building was built around the tanks. So we're gonna to have to cut up the existing tanks and remove them and we would take one out at a time and then replace it with a modular system. And probably uh, two to three modular cells uh, would go in to replace each tank uh, in the existing space. Right, so how, how many So Technically, how many yes, so you have two tanks. Okay. So technically you could do one at a time and spread the co cost over two years, but uh, but your cost would go up for your mobilization and demobilization costs. And, uh, but is that significant? Uh, you're probably gonna pay an extra 10 to 20,000 perhaps. because there is some uh, piping relocations that we have to do temporarily to get uh, the existing uh, uh, tank equipment out and the new tank equipment in. Right. So we would have to do those piping relocations both times. 
And uh, so there's an opportunity to look at that. See if you can bring your bring your numbers down. And when we're looking at the pre-filter, um, can we replace one pre-filter this year and then replace another pre-filter next year? I would have to look at that in a little more detail, Your Worship. And so when you, yeah, you're saying that the current filters are becoming obsolete. Well, they are obsolete. And like I said, we haven't been able to source any replacement parts at this point. And the pre-filters were built with a new water treatment plant? That's correct. And they're already obsolete? Yes, they are. Because they were almost obsolete when they went in. Good planning on that part. No. I hey. wasn't here, Your Worship, so. Yeah, I'm not saying you speak were. to that. Holy Jesus. Okay. So is there, um, is there a possibility of, uh, of uh, doing one? So you're going to look at the possibility of doing one pre-filter and then another pre-filter? I, I could look into that, Your Worship, and, and see if that's possible. There again, we'll be paying more for the mop mop cost. So the overall project cost would be higher at the end of the day. Right. Uh, Mr. McQuaid, how much time do you anticipate it, it would cost like to replace one? Is it a couple of months or is it a weekend or? No, it's probably uh, a two to three week process and you would replace one bank uh, while the other one was uh, in operation and then go replace the other bank. The same way as we're staging the uh, sodium hypochlorite tanks. So I do see an opportunity to, uh, to manage these costs and still uh, achieve some of the, uh, the non-engineering non uh, projects, the cultural and recreational projects. And let's go to the biosolids uh, storage lagoon. Um, the drying so, bed, as I refer to it. So this is a reclamation project. It is. And originally, this is one that Environment uh, was requiring us to complete last year. We went back and got an extension to have it complete for the end of this year. Uh, and uh, you know, subsequent talks with Environment, uh, there is the possibility that they may be able to give us a one-year extension on top of that, but I'd still would like to get the engineering uh, for that project uh, completed this year, so that way we're ready to go next year. Well, that that isn't unreasonable to get the engineering done this year, and then uh, and then hope for some COVID stimulus money and and, and get a shovel-ready project. Uh, for the COVID stimulus money, but yeah, if we can extend it out, that would be uh, that would be good. It is, after all, a reclamation project, so it's not a. Uh, I don't see why they wouldn't give you another deferral. Yeah, like our existing cells are working fairly well. Uh, the ones that we put in two years ago, uh, so that's one I don't feel uh, bad about deferring. 
it was more just to satisfy uh, what environment was looking for. So if they're willing to give us a buy for another year, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. What does that give us for our savings? If you do the engineering and then do the capital match, what do, what do we save out of that number? Um, You're probably saving uh, probably about 575,000, somewhere in that neighborhood. Of which 400,000 400, could be used towards a general fund. Um, is there um, a little bit of a caveat more so this year for MSI? Did the minister at one point in time indicate that uh, what they were calling non-core or non-essential, whatever that meant, um, ideas should not be uh, should not be something MSI spent on this year? No? Sorry, say that again? <laughs> okay, so did the minister, and maybe they didn't put it in writing, at one point in time indicate that uh, the expectation was more so this year that MSI funds were spent on um, basic core, whatever that might mean, as opposed to, unfortunately, um, parks or something? Um. I haven't seen that, um, and we could always, I don't want to say manipulate um, our, but, but we could amend our funding to apply MSI funds more towards core stuff and away from um, recreational type stuff. So for example, and I'll, I'll just, I just want to clarify a couple points, and I, um, I hope this makes sense as I do it. Um, so if we were to defer the dewatering um, pit lagoon, that would free up $400,000 of MSI money. Uh, the balance of the money, the $240,800, um, is from the water and sewer reserve, so it would remain there, and we would use a portion of that to do the engineering work. Um, if the water treatment plant upgrades, and I don't want to speak for Director McQuig, but theoretically, if we could phase this in a little bit and maybe save $50,000 there. That would be another $50,000 of MSI money we could allocate towards something else. So now we're talking 450,000. And then from a funding perspective, we would look to apply that MSI money towards, um, again, I, I guess core, more core type stuff, which would be under um, the public works and equipment type projects not recreation and apply MSI money towards these guys and we'd shift our own capital monies down towards recreation. So there's internal allocations of how we could use the money to um, achieve that direction if, if that is indeed um, what, the, what, the, what the province is looking for. And this could have been a, a comment rather than an actual written policy or something too so it could the only, the only thing i've seen in writing was from the minister back in in october or november that said in kind of more general terms it's get ready for cuts you know or get ready for um negative enhancements within the provincial budget or something like that and i think these are things that we knew were coming and the msi um, fund and funding from the province um, 
could be threatened. Now we've made reductions to our MSI funding in anticipation of this. It was reduced in 2020 and we've now reduced it again in 2021. Um, hopefully that captures what the changes are. If, if we've over budgeted, then we'll come back to council for, for direction on, on what we could do to deal with that, whether it's again, more deferrals or finding the funding and other sources. Um, the other thing I'd just like to say now, and this goes back, I'm just gonna flip back to the brief number four I sent out today, which does talk about if council does want these projects to remain in the 2021 capital budget, um, that, that can be done. Again, we could do it by identifying some of the changes we've, we've done or talked about. Um, and the staff suggestion would be um, to use the money that we transferred to our operating reserve in 2020, which was $1.7 million. Um, that tops up our existing operating reserve and we have two operating reserves, our general operating reserve and our mill rate stabilization reserve, which check my numbers are um, as of the same financial statements, 831,000. Um, this 1.7 now tops that up to $2.5 million. Um, if council wanted to do all these projects, staff would recommend that that 830,000 or um, less approximately 380,000 if we do defer the sewage pit and tweak the water treatment plant projects. Um, that's where we would recommend the money um, come from as a funding source, our general operating fund of which was significantly topped up in 2020. Your, your worship and Greg. Uh, so I too recall what, uh, what Elaine said about the MSI funding being used. They were, I got the impression they said, do you, or do your uh, infrastructure because there's not going to be money coming in the future or very little. Um, so that, that I remembered that part of the conversation similar to what Elaine did. Um, a couple things that I recall from January 11th asking was, you know, the timing of those projects, right? We, we've come across this a number of times over the last three years is that um, we want to do something and then we say, oh, well, we actually have to do that today because if we do it today, it saves us money. So as an example with the dog park, um, there's construction going on. If we don't do it well, the construction is sort of leaving that area. Is it just going to cost us more in the end? If we don't do all of the um, or any of the uh, Saddleback Park, what does that, will the cost just change because the project is sat as dirt for a, an extra year? So those are the things that come to my mind. Um, I tend to be leaning more towards water treatment plant than the than the second part of Saddleback Park, just simply because we did get the first part done. So those are my on the tables for anyone to pick up the ball and run with. Well, the all the other aspect also is 
since the once you psychologically, if you defer Saddleback Park Phase Two, why don't you defer it again and again and again uh, to the point that it never gets done? Um, but let me. Uh, I've got a question on uh, sand and salt shed. Not that I'm advocating that we uh, we defer this. We uh, we get rid of this one. I'm surprised that you've been able to defer it as long as you have. Perhaps you can explain how you were able to defer this. But um, part of this is a revenue issue. Uh, sand and salt shed is a stormwater. Uh, really comes down to managing stormwater properly. That's correct. And maybe uh, the issue, uh, maybe what we need to do is fund the sand and salt shed uh, with with a debenture that um, that we start uh, paying for via a uh, stormwater utility fee. And I know that you guys haven't thought this one out, or haven't put a lot of thought into how we apply stormwater management fees, but we could start with a, uh, a whatever, a $15 a month uh, stormwater utility fee, which everyone has to pay, or, and it could be based on a, on a, uh, on a unit area so that the provincial building it takes up a whole city block. We'd have to pay for whatever 40, 40 times uh, um, or 20 times what the average resident has to pay. Uh, they can't get out of that. Likewise, the uh, I would imagine that we can these utility fees also apply to schools. Uh, but this is a way to uh, to start funding uh, uh, the sand and salt shed, and uh, because the issue really there is stormwater management and not contaminating uh, stormwater and disposing of it to uh, to uh, to the river, um, and that's a way of. Uh, Bringing in some extra revenue to the uh, to the capital budget, uh, and uh, explain to me how you've been able to put off this sand and salt shit. Well, I've been bringing it up every year, Your Worship, but it's one of the ones that has fallen to the bottom of the list of the priorities in terms of funding. And I'll just put it: that's where it lies. So there. So we. So there hasn't been any regulatory pressure, uh, particularly from- No, but, it, but we do need to comply with those regulations and being a professional engineer, that's something I have to strive to and I have to keep bringing it forward and keep working my way at that. And it, that's why it's here again. And this year, uh, the reason that, you know, we were able to, to look at this year, this year was getting the municipal stimulus uh, grant funding for this project, which made this a little more achievable. Okay, so uh, 
So how, how much of this, do you, so you get 600,000 out of uh, external sim, stimulus and 795,000 uh, out of our, our monies. But if we can bring in an additional revenue stream to manage that, um, uh, we may be able to save ourselves, or we may be at, be able to add another two to three hundred thousand through uh, through a stormwater to by introducing a stormwater management fee at a relatively low low cost or a low uh, yeah at a at a low fee bringing in at a low fee so it doesn't. Um, raise too many hackles. Your Worship, I don't mind jumping in on that comment. Although I like the idea, I like that your mind is going to revenue generation. I really feel like our, our residents aren't gonna be really thrilled with our water increase again this year. And then if we added another fee there that I, I'm not sure whether that uh, will be well received. Let's just say that because we've had a number of water increases. What did we determine at last on the 11th um, over the last three years? I don't have it in front of me anymore, but uh, anyhow. Um, so I, I, I'm reluctant to add in another fee to try to recoup some of that money for a project that we'd sort of really settled on already i thought we had yeah i don't know this seems like we're taking a fee from everyone in town to finish a park in one part of town following your earlier logic of buying the votes of the people in shaftesbury which i don't know that that would pay off very well and the other side of it is i think we're governing a town not buying votes so i i'd prefer currently the 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 current plan as it as it stands to put off the saddle back a while later and and we've got we've got icf teams to go to the counties and and uh make our arguments for applying applying those funds to uh to the icf pot so we can uh, that, yeah that being realistic you're not going to get you're not going to get ICF money for uh, Saddleback Park. Like I can see you getting it for the ski park, but I can't. Uh, I can't see that uh, being applied to Saddleback Park. Um, the, well, that's that's, that's, that's your. I'd be uncomfortable trying to fly that one. I'll be Can honest. I add my two bits in. Yeah. Um, just from the comments that I've heard and the people I've seen at Saddleback Park, um, I know there's a lot of parents that bring their kids from all over town to that park, uh, especially to use the skating rink up there, simply because they can't skate, the little kids can't skate on the, let's say, the ice surface down by Baytex because there's lots of kids playing hockey on there. I also know people that come in from the MD of Peace in Northern Sunrise County. Um, they come in because the uh, the, the kids' treats are right here in town. Uh, the kids go skating, they play in the park. There's a little bit of a sliding there. So it, it is a very well-used park. And I kind of, 
I think we would get a little bit of ICF out of that. Yeah. Well, given the reluctance of the counties to contribute money money to us in the past, I don't actually see that happening. But we can. Um, a question, uh, Mr. Town, how much does it cost uh, per year, I guess, to borrow 830000 for 20 years? It's about 103000 a year. Which in, t in tax rate terms somehow rather would be? 103000 a year? Yeah, 830000 debenture is about 103,000 a year over 10 years. So you're paying around $200,000 in interest over, over that period. Okay. So it's 103,000 per, so it's 200,000 over the course of 20 years. Over, over 20 years, you'd be paying about 55,000 a year. Okay. Um, and again, those are very rough numbers, but they, they're, you know, plus or minus four or five percent. Greg, could you just quickly recap, where are we time-wise on this? Uh, what, what do we have to decide here tonight on, on this? Are we, are we, uh, where so are, are we? So our two decision packages are the capital budget and then service level um, changes. And I'll go to those really quick just to give council the heads up on service level items. I'll make this a little bit bigger. Um, there really only is one or two decision points here unless something else is brought up. Um, the first are the um, additional casual laborers at Public Works. Council approved two last year. We're looking for two additional ones this year to help with um, uh, some replacements, um, hydrant type uh, repairs and maintenance and inspections that need to be done and just assist public works during the summer. Um, the other ones are the protective services vehicle costs, which was missed during the preparation of the budget. Um, staff have a revenue offset for that, that we had realized we had miscalculated our interest on outstanding taxes. Um, in the 2021 budget, and I'll just talk about that really quick. Um, and I always preach this, and I didn't listen to my myself this time. When we looked at our outstanding taxes for our 2021 budget, we looked at our 2020 numbers and basically used that with a with a modest or slight adjustment. Um, but we had also neglected to uh, take into account that council had deferred. Um, tax dates by three months, which means our revenues in, in 2020 were lower than a typical year. So based on, on that change there and um, higher than um, higher tax balances than we'd seen in previous years, um, we're going to generate about $70,000 in, in more revenue. And again, it's not really necessarily new revenue, just more than what we had budgeted. And that would offset the protective uh, service vehicle costs that we we had missed during the preparation of the budget. Um, so those are the two, you know, staff identified, or the two or three staff identified 
uh, service level changes for council's uh, consideration. Um, I suspect conversation around these will take less than five or 10 minutes. Um, so um, really, I think the big question um, or deliberation areas is uh, the finalization of the capital budget. Well, like, since I asked the question, I'll, my perspective, I'm quite happy with deferring the dog park and deferring Saddleback. So uh, I've heard a number of my other colleagues speak about the pros and cons of where they sit. So I guess what I was driving at, uh, trying to help the mayor and our group along, if we're going to come to some sort of decision, I've made my mind up where I am. Uh, and I've heard other opinions expressed around the table, but I guess I'd like to try and draw this to a, a conclusion fairly quickly so we can move along. So, but uh, I haven't got any uh, any numbers on uh, on phasing uh, the water treatment plant costs and the uh, and the uh, and in fact, uh, so what about this biosolids dewatering uh, these bios the biosolids uh, drying beds. So are we are we including that or are we deferring that another year? Are we deferring it a year? And uh, it sounds like that's a real possibility. We would do the engineering this year and we would uh, that sounds a very doable thing and then uh, do the actual construction next year. So, and that would uh, save, so that's 400,000 that we would save is what I heard. That's correct. And uh, the water treatment upgrades is, uh, um, so if we did it in a phase, phased approach, um, uh, will will that free up some money this year that we can we we can uh, we can have some wins elsewhere and uh, the sand and salt shed uh, uh, well I bring that one up uh, well we've deferred that for X number of years. Not that I want to see it deferred, but uh, um, you're going to have to pay for it one way or another. Uh, it's not reason. It's not unreasonable to have it paid for. Paid for it with a uh, a nominal uh, a nominal fee, um, and that and that fee does not land disproportionately on our residents it actually on the voters it actually uh, it forces uh, forces the schools and the provincial buildings to uh, to put in their fair share which oh. isn't currently happening now mr good well, I, I, I kind of I agree with you that it's not disproportionate and you know, I, mean, I think that's a, an obvious an obvious and a good thing but I think um, 
to echo uh, Johanna a bit, um, you know, this is a for, for for a large number of people in this town, and not just the business people. For for a large number of people in town, this is a painful year. Um, regardless, I mean, people are getting their hours cut back. People are having have lost their jobs. I mean, there's a whole bunch of negative things that have happened, and you know, if if we can. My feeling is if, if the vaccine comes out and the and we get this thing under control at the later even in the later part of next year, I mean I'm not I'm not an optimist. I'm 70 years old and I take a look 69, pardon me. I take a look at the numbers when I'm looking at getting um, vaccine, all things going well, we're probably looking sometime in the summer, early fall. I don't see us getting into any kind of a rebound economically until that time. And but I do think that there's going to be a rebound and I think there's going to be growth coming out of it. Um, you got to remember what happened after the second world war, when there was massive debt and massive money all over the place, the economy boomed because people were sick and tired of it. That happened after the first world war also. Um, and we're kind of in that situation. I think if we can defer costs on our citizens to some degree, if we can put off things, the niceties and, not only make a, a zero increase, but if we can come up with some some breathing room or some assistance, I think it's going to be appreciated by the people of the town. So I'm just I'm just throwing that out there as another way of looking at it. And I do agree with you, Tom. It, what you're talking about is not disproportionate. But 15 bucks here, 15 bucks there, 15 bucks here, 15 bucks there is is you know 45, 75 dollars. I mean, you know, it it keeps on adding up. And when people have fixed incomes or or have lost incomes that's 75 or 100 bucks over a year and i was i was so broke at one point in my life that if beans were if they were 30 42 cents instead of 39 cents it made a different difference of what i had for dinner so i know what it's like to live on a, an income that's not great so I just want us not to lose sight of the fact that any increase is painful to some people, and especially during a painful time. I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that because I think we just can't lose sight of that. What about deferring the sand and salt shed? So, because uh, no, I don't have a problem of defer. I, I would honestly defer as much as we could. In a lot of ways, I'm sort of open to, to taking a look. Are there other areas we can defer for a year or two and get back in the saddle and help people get through this? We're a grant for that, are we not? A grant for the sand and salt shed? There is. I don't know the exact details. Um, That's MSI funding. Um, no, but I, there MSP. is the expectation. Or MSP, sorry. Yeah, and it's only for the year. So if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Oh, okay. Uh, I'd prefer to take advantage of that money if we have it. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I just think, why don't we take a, like, you know, Tom talked about not having the numbers in that case. I think it was the um, biosolids, exactly what the numbers are. I don't think we have to make a decision in the next 20 minutes if we can make a decision at the, you know, at the meeting next week or whatever. And, and know what the numbers we're talking about here. Uh, so next week is what? It's a uh, GMP. GMP. So uh, so we could uh, we could make an agreement in 
principle and then ratify it the meeting after that. Does well, that work? Just, Does that work? Deliberations, I don't think it, we're not motioning on this stuff, correct? Well, I, there is actually a motion on the table, right, Mr. Needham? You made a motion, didn't you? I did not. Oh, didn't you? Okay. Okay, um, why don't we uh, why don't we look at some of those options and see what we can do here? I, I guess, Your Worship, since you momentarily gave me the floor, that the point I was trying to make was that I, again, I'm okay with what's presented, and it, I'm okay with it in the context that we're running out of time. Now, if staff can go back and defer some of these projects and tweak some things, I, I guess. I would certainly be open to that if they can do it and we can still uh, still get our work done. I, I would still prefer that some of those infrastructure projects, uh, safety of the public water system is a higher priority in my mind than a dog park or a park. But having said that, if there are some options that can be uh, stitched together and if they can be presented at the next meeting, I, I would certainly look at them. But my initial concern was uh, I thought we were going to be making a decision tonight. And if we're not, if we can defer it to a next to, to a next regular meeting, that's that's fine as well. Well let's let's do that and uh, and uh, and see what uh, what monies can be uh, loosened up. And, uh, but it sounds like uh, people are not keen on a stormwater management fee. Mr. Ford? Yeah, I tend, I tend to agree. I think uh, coming back with some more numbers at the next meeting, I'm fine with uh, deferring park and the, and the dog leash uh, park. Uh, the, water, the water system has priority. But the other question I have is with the sand and salt shed. Um, now I did heard hear the term you either either use the use the grant or lose it, but there was also a comment by Mr. McQuaig about a possible another year extension. So how does that grant from the and the extension? Um, yeah, that was not on the sand and salt shed. The year extension was on the biosolids lagoon reclamation. Oh, okay. So the two separate different projects. The MSP, uh, so the uh, MSP funding, so municipal stimulus funding that we received this year was for the sand and salt shed, the pavement overlay, and the sidewalk project. Those are the three ones that we put forward uh, back in the fall uh, after discussions with council, and those are the ones that were approved by the province. Okay, so that sand and salt shed, then, if it's deferred, we're not going to lose that grant right away. You could, if you don't have it done by the end of the year. Uh, well, I think you, you could actually have it done by the subsequent year, but I'd have to check to see how the funding works on that one. Yeah, and I'm also- but As far as I know, the intent was to, it, they wanted to have it funded for this year. I'm also fine with uh, doing the engineering on that one project and deferring the build till next year. But just to reiterate on what Councillor Downing had mentioned about all these extra fees, um, I tend to agree. I, I have a funny feeling that uh, 
we're going to be looking at the uh, the tax rate again and possibly doing another three months before people are able to pay their taxes again this year just because they're hurting so much. And I'll throw in the point again about uh, debt borrowing. If it's uh, 55,000 for each of 10 or 20 years, um, the users are paying just in a different way. Hey Aaron, I haven't really brought up debt as an option above what we've already introduced. Um, you know, as, as council's aware and deputy mayor manager is acutely aware, she asks all the time, what's our debt uh, capacity limit and that that is creeping up and it was has creeped up because of the multiplex um, so even though it could be an option you know our utilization of debt um, you know we should try to curb or or lessen it um, you know as, as we're able to unless it's it's needed so That's, let's just look at the uh, municipal stimulus requirements and so the requirement is the project must begin in 2021. It doesn't mean it has to be completed in 2021. So you could kind of uh, almost chop that into two and do uh, start construction late fall, have it drag into uh, the following year and then use 2022 funds to complete the project. So that might be an option, but, uh, but you need to start the project in 2021 to be able to receive uh, the full grant funding. So your worship. Yeah, go ahead, Mr. Newman. Thanks, uh, your worship. Just uh, reflecting back, we had a discussion about the Saddleback Park uh, a month or six weeks ago. And uh, we also talked about breaking it into phases. And I've forgotten the, the numbers. I think it was, I'm going to say it was close to a million, but I guess if staff are going to go back and spend some time in the next 10 days and look at this stuff, uh, is that number, is that the next phase in its entirety? Or is there a possibility that we're talking about breaking the engineering apart from the capital on, a, on, a, on, a, on an engineering project? Is the park the same kind of project where we could break part of it apart and do it in this year and, and next year? So I would throw that out there again and I, no, we had part of this conversation a month ago, and I'm not sure where uh, where that got left. We could definitely bring back options for um, splitting up that particular project. So the 600,000, 640,000, whatever the total number is, is the complete final package, but you could easily pick out a component such as trails or the parking lot, or it could be broken up. Okay, thank you. I could bring something more detailed back for the next meeting. Um, and somewhat, uh, uh, in terms of looking at freeing up monies, Mr. McQuaig, so on the water treatment plant, we set aside, we set aside X number of thousands of dollars for replacement of the uh, the membranes, I forget what that actual number is. So the so hundred ten thousand for yeah. the project that we're proposing for next right. year. And the and when did we start start setting that aside? Six years ago, or eight years ago, or 
Oh, are you talking about the uh, water and sewer trunk lines from no. Shaftesbury? To no, the... so I, I, I could answer this one. Um, okay. Um, yeah, we did start um, allocating a portion or reserving monies every year. I, I want to say it was 55 or 60,000 um, a year. And like our general fund, the water and sewer fund contributes to the capital reserve. So I'd have to go look at the exact number. I want to say in 2021, the amount going into the, that reserve is about 260,000, of which um, 60,000 of that or so is for, and I'm, I'm not sure if it's that exact project. I'd have to go and um, look and see what those monies are more allocated towards. But yes, there are monies over 50,000 towards um, some large replacement of, of filters or other devices in the in the plant. So uh, my recollection is that it's well, I I know that those those funds are supposed to be set aside, and we uh, that was uh, done uh, at least six years ago, if not. That, that more. sounds about right. Yep. And uh, my recollection is more that it's a hundred thousand a year, but uh, you may very well be right that it's fifty thousand. The whole purpose was to replace the uh, the membrane units because there's supposedly an operating life on those. The uh, but they were going basically on manufacturer specs. The uh, if you've got a pre-filter in front of that, um, you're reducing the wear and tear on that on those membrane filters. So. Um, we should we should take another look, Mr. McQuaig, and see if we can get an estimate, uh, a sense of what the remaining life is on those membrane filters, and uh, perhaps we can free some of those monies that that are earmarked for a uh, for a for replacement of those those membrane filters. And use and use that towards some of the water treatment project. Well, particularly towards the pre-filter project, since since that should uh, extend the life of those filters. I mean, the of the membranes. Yeah. So I I can definitely bring that information back next time on what the longevity of that system is and and just what we're looking at there. Okay. Okay. And what, what was this on this? You want you, what are your decision points on this service, service budget that you want, Mr. Uh, Mr. Town? Um, there's two things that are identified. The first one is um, the addition of two casual um, public works laborers, um, two positions at 22 weeks per year. So they're, they're seasonal casual type peoples um, to assist during the summer months. And then the discussion around the missed um, protective service vehicles and the uh, revenue offset that's shown for that, plus any additional or other items that may come forth from council or staff, even though I don't expect staff to have anything. Okay, so anybody want to add comment on that? 
The only comment I would have, Your Worship, is on the uh, protective services vehicle. Make sure you include a car wash card. The unit is parked out in front of the town office right now, and you'd be hard pressed to read the words peace officer on the door because it's in pretty bad shape. I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be driving that around town. So please, car, <laughs> that's my tongue in cheek humor, but it it's pretty bad. Point, point taken, absolutely. Well, we're trying to uh, turn it into a ghost vehicle. Well, it it it's it meets that criteria right now. Yeah. Okay, uh, so I I'm not getting the impression that there's uh, any uh, any pushback on uh, on the two additional spots, the casual workers and. Um, And uh, the vehicle and the other items you ended up uh, speaking of on service. So, doesn't mean that there won't be a last minute one to, uh, next week, but anyhow. Okay. Um, so, there's some items to bring back there. Um, Hopefully uh, staff remembers what they are and we'll uh, talk about them at the GMP. Um, takes us to reports. Uh, 2020 volunteer awards. There's a briefing note on that. And I signed a whole bunch of uh, awards. Ms. Bell. Thank you, Your Worship. This is a briefing note for council. Unfortunately, because of COVID, uh, we weren't able to do our normal um, presentation during a council meeting and invite family members and, and the like. Um, this year, what we are doing is a formal press release that our communications coordinator, Ms. Hume, will be posting later, I believe tomorrow morning, following the council meeting. Um, and publicizing the winners of this year's award. It was a very difficult decision. We had some uh, incredible candidates as we always do, but this year seemed to be a little, a few, few more than normal, um, which is a tough position and always hard to choose the, the final recipients. But your award winners are for Lifelong Achievement Award, Leslie Arajaski with over 40 years of volunteering within the community. Your community recognition award goes to Jody Cook. Um, and she's a fairly new uh, member of the community with six years of volunteering within Peace River community. The volunteer of the year is Cheryl Fitchie with a lot of her work with Servant's Heart and uh, especially over this last year with the lunch program that she's helped put in place for students um, when COVID struck and lockdown happened. Um, and lastly, our Emerging Leader Award goes to our youth um, in the community. This is our youth category and it's awarded to Hannah Taplin. Um, we also provide you with the other nominees that were uh, submitted 
and which illustrates again how difficult to, of a decision this was. And just a really interesting note, once we added up the number of years that all of your uh, nominees had been volunteering in the community, it was over 250 years volunteering. So again, just illustrates the um, dedication and commitment to your community by a number and a small sampling of volunteers that make our community as great as it is every day. Excellent, yeah, there's lots of bullets there. Very good. So you'll uh, put out a press release and That's we'll go from there. Okay. Your Worship. Uh, I would like to do a shout out to uh, all the recipients of the volunteer awards. Um, it, it is a great list. It was great to see it compiled in this way. It looks a little different than it has the last couple of years. And again, um, I, I reiterate what Tanya says about it being a tough decision. When I look at all those names on that list, people everyone knows as well as a shout out to um, community services and Tanya's people to getting it all organized. So thanks and congratulations to all the award winners and the nominees. Good comment. Okay. Um, the next report is a briefing note regarding community service services board minutes. Oh, okay. This is the community services board minutes um, this is one of uh, Mr. Ford's favorite committees. Although I see Colin Needham was present at the last meeting. Is there anything we... Uh, I think you need to just check the date of that one, Your Worship. I think... Uh, okay. I think it's... I think that was... Uh, <clears throat> that was a couple months. There's several months there. So. Okay. But you are. Councillor Ford was there in uh, November 25th. The 28th looks like a very short meeting, Mr. Ford. And then on November 25th, uh, you were, uh, oh, you sent your regrets. Um, is there anything though that uh, you want to underscore in any of these? these um, just uh, the meeting, just the meeting that I did not attend, and it's kind of the follows uh, Councillor Down Downing's comments, and uh, uh, the the board did a really good job on uh, to do the evaluations and all the awards, and uh, it was a very tough decision by all. Okay. Great. And um, takes us to the Peace Regional RCMP Community Advisory Committee draft. These are draft minutes, but uh, minutes nonetheless. And uh, Q4 statistics. Uh, you again are the, the council rep on this on this advisory committee. Do you want to make some comments on? Uh, on the committee work and uh, the stats. Yeah, for the for the stats, just to let everybody know, there's some numbers that kind of jump up and down there. If, if you're reading through them, um, the explanation that was given to us was uh, a lot of it has to do with 
if stuff is being reported or reporting time. Um, in the minutes, the one thing I would like to highlight is our uh, Safe Summer Strategies program. Um, we actually have three programs that are tied into this. One is a pot, there's two of them that are positive ticketing. One actually was started with the RCMP quite a number of years ago, which is positive ticketing for the, for the younger kids, like the two, three, four, five-year-olds. Um, they are currently out of those positive tickets. Um, the second one is a Safe Summer Strategies program, which is another positive ticketing program, but it targets more youth and, and adults uh, where we've had great support um, from businesses in the community in the past. And then we also have the uh, Locker Lose It program, which is all tied in into that. Um, so I will be getting together with Autumn here in the near future to uh, reconstruct a letter. We'll be going out and soliciting some of the businesses for positive ticketing. Um, some of the businesses that have participated in the past are like uh, Pat's Auto Supply, uh, Canadian Tire, Mr. Mike's, all with $10 gift certificate cards. And this year we'll be doing the same thing. Um, maybe in a different light because of COVID, COVID. So it'll be handled more by the, uh, by the peace officers and the uh, RCMP detachment. Um, this also will be, will be targeting businesses in Grimshaw, Napa, so that this is also tackled on a, on a regional uh, basis. So there will be hopefully some uh, positive tickets, let's say from businesses in Grimshaw, if they stop a kid in Grimshaw, same with Napa and the same with Peace River. So that's uh, moving forward this year. Um, oh, go ahead. Uh, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Ford, I, I noticed the DARE program has got continued funding, I guess you would say. Well, the DARE, the DARE program is, uh, is a program that has been, it's not being funded anymore, but there is a new program coming out um, to help re to help replace that, which um, our constable is currently working on that, and I do believe it's in the uh, in the minutes here uh, or in one of the reports. And it's it's more of a, a lifestyles program now rather than calling it dare. These, uh, these minutes are quite up to date. Uh, Mr. Ford, I see uh, Bob Regal, the mayor of Grimshaw, noted, uh, noted that December was quite quiet until somebody showed up at their post office uh, who, uh, who raised some concerns, but uh, um, by wearing a mask, but uh, as Bob explains here, appears to be an error in judgment and the individual was just trying to rebel against masks, uh, uh, just using a, an awkward way to uh, express that rebellion. Oh, the white hood. Bob received comments from as far as where is Texas. That's interesting, but I do. Uh, I do note that. Uh, report on that. There was a uh, press release by the local RCMP today. Uh, sounds like uh, they were, they think they have identified that person and uh, 
from the new from the press release that has been pushed forward to the crown and they'll decide what goes on from there oh okay um and i think mark boychuk's comments are uh, are some relevance to us here he noted that they finished the second round of homeless assessment and identified some great needs um i'm assuming that uh, eventually council will get a uh, a copy of that assessment, or at least uh, the the uh, uh, the FCSS committee. Um, you noted that the shelter, I, I would say, assuming it's the homeless shelter, is now open during the day, so people can stay warm, and they have somewhere to go all the time. Uh, they're working on a big grant for our zone to support. Uh, homeless individuals. And then Dave Brown commented that RCMP members now have a good relationship with the shelter staff and RCMP members have positive feedbacks. Other detachments call to ask for advice on homelessness and the shelter is mentioned as a positive addition to the community. So uh, I just thought those comments were worth reiterating since we, uh, we had a public hearing on the matter and uh, there was uh, some objection to the shelter and the proponents were actually uh, somewhat surprised at, uh, at the objections since they were, uh, since they expressed a number of complaints which didn't, uh, which the proponents didn't have an opportunity to address, but, uh, but it sounds like, um, it is uh, it is a positive. Uh, it is being managed pretty positively. The homeless shelters now. Okay. They're actually, doing a quite an exceptional job um, down at that shelter. And uh, yeah, the next time I have a chance to talk to uh, Mr. Boychuk, I will ask him for the uh, the assessment report. Um, I can speak to that, Councillor Ford. We anticipate the report uh, to be public in March of uh, this year. So once we, we were the host agency, so we will receive a copy of it directly as soon as it's ready. And what's the grant that's being applied for, do you know? That I'm not aware of. Um, that would be uh, probably coordinated with the shelter program, unless he's looking at something in additional, but it, uh, we haven't had that conversation with Mark recently. Great, okay. Um, that would, uh, we can consider reports closed. That takes us to information. Uh, there is uh, no extra information being presented. Um, Mr. Parker, are there any notices of motion? I don't know if he's available. Just Tom, just proceed. Sorry, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to hit the toggle, but to unmute me and it's not working out too well. Uh, no, there are none, uh, Your Worship. Okay. What, what was that, Mr. Good? Um, just as a procedure, should we not have a motion to accept the reports for information? Sure. You, you Are you making that motion? motion? To accept the reports for information. All in favor? Um, Ms. McQuaig, are there any comments from the public come uh, pouring in? 
Um, I have been checking the email diligently, Your Worship, and we have received no comments. Okay. Um, we will go to key communication items. Um, can we, uh, uh, Ms. Autumn? <laughs> Ms. Autumn, Ms. You. <laughs> Uh, yep, for this evening, we've got uh, the census and volunteer awards as points of focus. Yeah. Um, should we, uh, should we um, make a bit of a focus about these positive comments in the RCMP advisory committee meeting, uh, meeting minutes about the uh, Homeless shelter project. Uh, granted, it is through a, another set of minutes. But. I don't know that there's an avenue for a formal statement around that of any kind. Um, however, it's good information to have and keep in reserve uh, for anybody that has any questions about how the shelter's been received. We could say that we, we've received a, uh, a report. Uh, we've received reports from the RCMP Community Advisory Committee uh, 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 expressing positive, uh, positive news uh, around the recent, recent uh, homeless uh, shelter established at the Sagatawa Friendship Center. That would be out of the cold, I do believe. Is that the name of it, out of the cold, or? That's the name of the shelter, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think it. I think it's good, positive feedback. Um, we're not going to focus very much on the parking exemption. <laughs> um, some education around parking bylaw or putting information into a future utility insert could be a useful thing. I'll add it to the list. Okay. And uh, we probably want to start planning up that 2021 census resolution. I, I anticipate the numbers being lower than uh, the last census, but we need to make sure that they're as high as possible. Uh, yep, yeah, we'll, we'll focus on the census. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, that, will, uh, that will allow us to reset. Ms. McQuaig, are you there? I am, sir. Uh, Mr. Ford made a motion to come out of camera. We hey. all voted for it. And uh, uh, some individual is gonna shout out a motion to for uh, adjournment of the meeting. 
So moved, Your Worship. And that person was Ms. Downing. And, and uh, I'm going to call for a vote. I think everybody was voting to come out. Okay, and everyone voted to leave the meeting. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.